You are listening to Meanwhile, episode three. Today we're going to be talking about vision, in particular vision statements and how to use them in your career and life more broadly. We'll talk about why have them, as well as how to potentially overcome some of your own or others' cynicism around that idea, and then how to actually go about making them and then use them to get the most out of your career, out of your life path, to navigate important transitions, as well as just to sort of maintain that resilient sense of purpose and direction as things come and go. Let's get started. Uh, Michael Terrell, tell, tell us about vision and what it can do for us. Well, let me just start with the how I define it. And for me, vision or a vision statement is a concise paragraph or two that uh, articulates a person's values uh, in terms that are understandable and compelling to them. And what, what, what does it do? It can really help people fill a void they're either totally aware of or just acutely aware of that their career doesn't have an overarching sense of purpose or direction. Um, they might have this sort of lingering sense of, of unhappiness or, or inability to connect the dots between the choices they're making or they're struggling to determine what choice should I make next in terms of new role, new job. And having this sort of vision in the background can really help with those things uh, career-wise as well as you know, in personal direction, where, where I want to live, who I want to spend my time around, the type of life I want to pursue. So a vision statement can provide the, the why, why we're doing this, and in that sense, be a useful addition to many other aspects of career, like values and goal setting and all this kind of stuff. And I want to point out that um, the way you're describing vision or vision statement, it's similar to purpose, uh, why mm-hmm. I'm doing this. Um, and we use a lot of different words in the field. So sometimes people may refer to vision as a desired future state. I want to have a talk show or I want to um, be a VP in a startup or I want to spend two years in Costa Rica, what, what have you. We're not really talking about it in, right. in that sense. Um, and we're also not talking about um, what we can refer to as a BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal, which is sort of a dramatic, exciting stretch goal uh, that we might want to achieve. Um, this is different from, from that. Yeah, it is different. And I think to make the distinguishment there is, can be helpful to some people, particularly uh, for those of you listening who have done you know, mission work and vision work and purpose and all these other things. Um, and they, it does fit right alongside the idea of big, hairy goals and, and values. As I was saying earlier, it's sort of a the vision that we're talking about today is this idea of uh, putting, breathing some life into those values and putting them actually into a couple of paragraphs that speak to that speak to you. So um, separate but related to some of these other things. Okay. Absolutely. Well, what what's your vision statement? My vision statement sits on my wall as well as on my phone. Let me just open my phone here so I don't uh, get any of it wrong. But it is. <clears throat> so my vision is. My passion is empowering people to be more effective leaders, loving partners, and fulfilled people through authentic and thoughtful connection. I seek to help others change and be changed by them as well. I'm committed to realizing dreams, both for myself and for those who cross my path. 
And above all else, I strive to lead a life of love, thoughtfulness, and happiness. Well, what I notice about this is that there are a lot of verbs in it. Um, there's mm. a connection between something that's important to you and what you actually do or, or how you do it. There's another area of career development and coaching called values analysis, where we would try to identify what are the core values that are important to people. Yeah. And we talked a little bit on a previous podcast about envy, uh, but really understanding what makes you tick, what makes you thrive, not what you're supposed to do, but what really opens you up. So values for some people might be autonomy and independence and solitude and time alone. And for others, it might be collaboration and community and affiliation. Um, some people might focus on things like financial success, uh, fame, security, and others it might be more creativity, uh, spontaneity, innovation, and what have you. And and all of us have a set of values that we may know of or that might be buried under the surface just a little bit. And so often in coaching, one of the first things you do is you get clear about your values because when you know your values, you can then solve for what you actually want in your life and notice what's present now and what's missing and sort of taking action. Um, but this vision is something different or maybe a step farther. Can you kind of say how that grows out of values or the connection there is? That's a really good question and is, is really consistent with how I see vision, which is vision is a natural evolution or the next step after we do some really uh, intentional work on just what our our values. And uh, there's one way I really like to start exploring this question of what are what are my values with other folks. And it is, um, it's a two part initial exercise. And the first one, and you know, if you're listening along, this is something you could even do on a piece of scratch paper at some point when you have 15 or, or 20 minutes just to even get started. And it is um, to go ahead and draw a horizontal line through the middle of a, of a sheet of paper. And on one side of this line, write down the day of your birth. And on the far right side of this line, write today, today's date. And so what you've done is you've just created a timeline. And I call this exercise the timeline of me. And to actually go out and plot along this timeline in rough chronological order, any moment that feels uh, like a peak experience, a peak moment, something that, you know, was really positively uh, impactful to you, um, as well as the valleys of life, like when have been these really difficult times or or hard setbacks, um, to go through and identify uh, where those things sit on this timeline of me. Because oftentimes, um, whether we've been choiceful about it or not, the things that we value most are related to these peak or valley moments um, in our lives and the meaning we've made from them. So I could see how I could see how it relate to the peak moments, right? Because you're you're being the best version of yourself. You're getting what you want in your life. Um, how does it relate to the valley moments? Yeah, you're, you're spot on in that. I think oftentimes we could trace the things we really hold as important to these these awesome positive moments. But one of the questions I sometimes ask people when they're saying, "So what are my values?" I'll ask them, uh, what really annoys you or what really pisses you off? Because sometimes these strong negative reactions actually are pointers towards what's really important to us. So, you know, for example, for me, 
Um, one of the, a valley that I would put on my timeline would be uh, when I was in high school. Um, there was a, a night where I was I'd come home from, from a night out with my friends. I was making I think some top ramen on the cooktop in my kitchen, and I heard a big thud um, from up above. And up above was my parents' room. And I went upstairs, and I found my dad had collapsed in their bathroom. And um, at that moment, I, I would find out later, he was dealing with a prescription drug addiction. And he was in the process of just being high off Oxycontin, basically. And um, this, you know, this like really torturous night was, you know, a series of me picking him up, carrying this 200 pound guy back into his, his bed and just sort of watching over him to make sure that he, uh, you know, didn't stop breathing or didn't go nuts, um, essentially. And, you know, I think one of my, you've heard it a few times in my vision statement is this idea of, of thoughtfulness and, um, and of love. And there are a couple of values that I think were really, touched on there. One, one was just like how angry I was for his lack of what I see as like thoughtfulness or care or consideration. Um, but also this notion we've done a lot of repair since then. Um, there's a, there's a value of, of love and, and forgiveness, um, that is also present in that valley. So I don't know, does that, hopefully that example gives a, gives a little color to that. Yeah, it's super, it's super evocative. It's interesting because when you mentioned the timeline, I started mentally filling in uh, things that would be my timeline. And I've done the version before where you look at the ups, but if I think about the downs, uh, a lot of examples um, come to mind. Uh, like when our dog died when she was only three and a half, and when I didn't become a White House fellow, and then when I was unemployed for about a year after the failure of the startup I did. But you know what's kind of interesting is that since time does heal a lot of wounds, I can now look at these experiences objectively and kind of see the person I was and um, kind of what was going on. And for example, one thing that I learned about myself is that I have a stronger value around financial stability than I realized when I was younger. I thought that I could take a lot of risks and it'd be fine. Mm. Turns out that I'm not really cool with uh, being in a financially unstable uh, situation. And I, don't, I didn't formally think of myself that way, but there really is something about feeling solid and being able to depend on myself and let other people depend on me and not really being um, subject to the whims of, of fate in the economy that now balance. And I would further say that, in a sense, um, having my own business uh, may be an expression of that because I'm not worried about somebody deciding I don't fit or laying me off or age discrimination or what have you. And I wouldn't normally mm. think about it that, that way. And I could, I could unpack the other examples as well. So, so I get it. The, so yeah, the timeline seems like a great idea. And I think what you can do if you're listening is you fill it out. And I also like the idea you can just bop back and forth between, Oh wait, I remember something 1985 and now last right. year and then the year I was born and gradually fill it in because, uh, you know, we so often just think about what's coming next, like in the next month or year. And I don't think we do much reflection on the larger span of that we've lived already and kind of what mm -hmm. we've learned about our, ourselves. Mm -hmm. And 
as we, as you do this, you can almost see yourself as a third party, not be so wrapped up in your own life. But okay, this individual got really excited about this event, or got really bummed out when this happened. And what does that say about what's important to this person? I think that's such an important call out because I think you know the the, the adage uh, we've all heard it is you know these things have made me who I am today, so, you know something like that. This, like, the way we speak about our pasts and. Yes, I think it's really valuable to say, okay, yeah, who have I been and, and how have these things impacted me? But then to take that third party point of view is super important because I think it enables us to move from a character in our own story, our own life story, to more of an author type role, which is, yeah, I, I, you know, the way I've reacted to this event with my, my dad, you know, hitting the ground uh, late one night and, you know, in high school and the way I reacted to when I got my diploma. Um, these things sort of still feel true to me or for this character, but there are, might also be moments where we're looking at it sort of objectively and say, you know, that doesn't quite fit anymore. And we actually want to update. You can't change the events of the past, but we can change the story we tell about them or the sense we make of them and, and pick new values for ourselves. Like that's totally within our third party authorship right to do. Um, yeah, and, and we always have a choice about what story we're going to tell, and there may be multiple choices there. So you share this poignant example, and you could, if you wanted, tell the story of a father who let his son down and feeling yeah. you know, angry for your whole life. Or you could tell a story about a son who had the, the presence and fortitude to help the father and kind of the family move forward and draw some positive experience from that. And at the end of the day, which one means more to you and which one do you want to, do you want to live with and make something right. up? So, right. so let's say people do this exercise. They come up with a list of eight to 10 values, things that are important to them. Um, what's the next step in turning that into a vision or a vision statement? So uh, I actually did this recently with uh, a roommate of mine. Actually, we went on a, little adventure together one evening and um, because he was um, in this process of trying to figure out, um, he didn't come to me and say, hey, I think I need a career and personal vision statement, um, but he's, he's a, a senior director at Lyft here in San Francisco, the, you know, the, the, the cool ride sharing company. And he's trying to figure out um, where does his career go from here? He's accomplished a lot of these short-term goals for himself, and he, and he was lacking this sense of um, long-term vision or purpose. So he was feeling this itch, the same one that I can remember feeling um, you know, five or six years ago. And you know, asked if, I, if we had a process. So he went through um, some of this life story, highs, lows, um, and values identification exercise. And then uh, the next step, I think, for most people is to actually get involved in talking to somebody else um, about their values. Because I think it can be really important to have somebody who, who you know well, who's a good listener, um, just reflect back to you a little bit of what they're hearing. So it sounds like this is really important and okay. And it seems that, that, uh, yeah, your curiosity really shown through here, um, to not only echo it back to you so you can hear it through, through somebody else's mouth and make sure does that still fit for you. But, um, if somebody knows you well, they can also give you some feedback as to, uh, whether or not that's consistent with the version of Michael that, that they know or not. So the, the next step is to, I think, have a conversation that has some space in it. Me and uh, my roommate, we just took a walk for about an hour. 
and um, talked through what he had come up with and me sharing my, my feedback and impressions of him. And we just sort of iterated our way towards something that felt a little bit more complete and solid to him in terms of what those values really were. So that was the next step. And then, and then it was about him sitting down and taking, taking a stab at, okay, like if I were to create a, a paragraph or two long vision for myself, uh, how, you know, how might I do that? And so I have a way of structuring that exercise as well. Um, but imagine, uh, have you ever done anything like that with clients or how do you typically guide people from a values place to having something resembling a vision? Um, I tend to use vision a little bit differently. So I think more in terms of specific career visions or, um, potential goals. So I think that's almost a different topic, but I have, I have gone through this process with myself as the, the client, um, and I think sometimes it was called vision statement. Others it was called purpose statement. And I think mm-hmm. there are a few different structures people use. Um, there is something where you take the values and you connect them to a role that you play such that you're talking both about yourself and your impact uh, in the rest of the world. Um, for example, I think one structure was, uh, I am a blank so that others may blank. So, for example, mm. you know, I'm a scout so that others may uh, find ways to discover new things. Or mm-hmm. um, I'm a leader in figuring out new uh, innovations such that others can uh, find things that make them happy, what have you. Um, mm-hmm. But what's, what's yeah. your structure that you use? Well, that, that fits nicely with um, the structure that I use here and that the, having an, an others you know, an other people component, um, can actually be a really helpful way to think about framing this. But I actually, so I go, I go a little old school star Wars on people here when it comes to actually drafting, uh, the vision statement. And I, I have this little method I call the C3PO method. And, uh, what it stands for. I think he just died. (laughs) C3PO, the The actor. actor. Yeah. Oh man. But he lives on. So sorry. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it'll have to be C-3PO in memorandum. <laughs> you know, he lives on through the visions of, of countless folks uh, who are still with us. And, and the way that uh, what it stands for is, um, you know, the visions that tend to work well are clear, that's the first C, compelling, concise. So those are the three Cs. And you get to P, present tense as much as possible. Oftentimes we, it's, it can be very... T- tempting to use a lot of future language and visions, but I think to actually write them as if this is who you are, an expression of who you are and what you stand for, what your values are today can be really powerful, can help with the compelling element. And then the O is others. So getting back to sort of your Mad Lib there, you know, how does, how does this touch other people? Um, and that's not a, a hard and fast ironclad rule. None of these are, but they are directionally uh, helpful to people, I find. And in others in particular, you know, there's really interesting research about uh, how people who have a others orientation or considering uh, their impact on other people actually uh, experience the positive benefits of their actions personally. I think Emerson has a quote that says something like one of the, the joys of, of life is that no person can help another without so too helping themselves. And so there's a little bit of that uh, vibe in the way that this vision uh, exercise is done. 
And then, so if you have this sort of guiding framework, then to just give yourself permission to, to write the most atrocious draft of this thing you can imagine. Like, I think one of the hard things about doing some vision work is that it can feel uh, like I have to perf like perfectly encapsulate um, my why for doing what I do. And I look at it more as like, write your crappiest draft first. Make the th write out the thing that you would be like, Yep, that's garbage. And give yourself permission to then iterate on that, you know, four or five different times until you get something that is good enough to use for a while and then, you know, revisit it in, in time. I want to uh, underscore the importance of writing out a shitty version first, proudly. Um, and that's because, uh, <laughs> the, 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 well, these are hard to write and it, it's hard to kind of encapsulate everything. And at first it can feel a little bit either too vague or mm -hmm. like it's leaving something out. But the reason, well, there are two reasons why you want to start with a shitty first draft. The one is that that's how writing is rewriting. Writing is editing. Yeah. Um, you figure this out by try throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks and, and gradually getting to some place. So it doesn't matter. It's not about the first draft. It's about what you end up with, which may be many drafts later. The second is that uh, I think we live in a society that's pretty antithetical to this type of stuff um, sure. that casts a very skeptical eye on anything related to vision or purpose or being authentic or trying to get what you want. Um, and in fact, even rewards people for being cynics or skeptics. So in some ways, the person who criticizes somebody trying to create a career vision might get more immediate positive feedback than the person trying to do it. And we've all internalized those voices. But when we're growing sure. up, you know, as kids, we're encouraged to dream big and think about the future and what do we really want? It was really us. But then once you get in the workforce, um, it's almost considered like an indulgent thing to do. So mm. because we've internalized that, give yourself a break. Like you're doing something actually kind of hard um, that not everybody will support, but which will really have a big difference um, once you get it. So, Let's fast forward a bit. Um, let's say people are able to create these vision statements or, or tentative working versions of yeah, vision yeah. statements. The then roughest of drafts. Rough, the roughest of drafts. Um, yes. How do you then make use of this in your life and career? The first thing is just finding ways to, to re-encounter it so that it starts to become more internalized. Um, for people. And there are a number of ways to do that. You know, it's funny, my, my roommate, I was walking through the kitchen just, this was just last week, actually. And we had had this conversation uh, about a month ago. And I saw that he got something in the mail and it was this printout. It's a photo of him and his long-term girlfriend. And over the top of it, he's got laid out, uh, it's, you know, it's a five by seven photo and he's got typed out the uh, vision that he's finally settled on as his sort of working draft for now. And, uh, you know, he's going to put that up in his bathroom wall and just have that there to, to, to re-encounter and, and internalize it. Um, I've had other uh, people I know who write, write this in dry erase marker on, you know, their shower wall. Um, other people who have it as their, their background on their, uh, on their, on their phone. Um, places where you can kind of rerun into this vision recurringly is sort of a first step. Um, but then, as you can imagine, finding ways to actually reference it in those really pivotal, important moments um, as our, our careers and lives unfold. You know, should I stay in this job? Do I want to keep working in this function, in this company? Um, and just to, to check in with 
this vision, which is essentially an expression of your most core values, um, as you guide yourself through those through those decisions. And you know, it's not even just do I stay or do I go? It can also be really impactful in the way teams communicate and work together. I actually just had a, um, a former client reach out and mention that they were going to use this exercise, this you know vision creation exercise, to then write um, guides to working with me, <laughs> which is you know they're a team of four and they want to start from this place of understanding and knowing themselves and each of their individual values a bit better, but then to just write these quick little bulleted manuals to, you'll be really successful with me if you tend to X. Uh, Things that are harder for me are, you know, Y and Z based on having gone through some, some personal vision work, which was really cool. I thought. It sounds like a great application. Um, So the vision statement is not the end of things. It may be a step toward other types of um, activities that show, allow you to have greater self-awareness and, a greater ability to get along with others. Um, you know, as you described it, the vision statement really seems to be a personal compass, um, yeah. a way of knowing which way is north. And and I think that's important because we are constantly exposed to external stimuli. And you gave before this example of this friend of yours who works at Lyft. Well, if you work at Lyft and you have a good job um, and you're kind of wondering what's next, people are going to give you ideas but the ideas are going to be what they think is right which may not yeah. be what you think is right and if you don't have any internal compass to deal with that it's really easy to take other people's messages about this next step would be awesome or this next step will be terrible and you shouldn't do it um because you lose your bearing and yeah the second thing is uh i also think there's a reason why you have it on your computer and your friends put it in their showers and what have you. And that's because it's easy to lose sight of these things and to get um, lost in the minutiae of each day. Um, The vision statement seems to be both a way of deciding what's in and also what's out. Um, So if you find yourself in a job that has nothing to do with your your, uh, vision, for example, I guess if you were working in accounts payable, um, yeah. that might not afford you the types of opportunities that you're really looking for. Um, so that can be a guide, like, hmm, maybe I need something that's closer to my vision statement. Yeah. But on the other hand, it can also uh, tell you what's in, because every job has hard times, and every life has times of great uncertainty where things kind of suck, and it might be tempting to give it up. So I I just was remembering, as we were speaking, that about... 13, 14 years ago, when I was going through a training program with the Hudson Institute, which is a coaching program in Santa Barbara, I created a a type of statement like this. Um, It was all about me. It didn't really have an external party, but I I found it. And it was uh, my, uh, we call it purpose. My purpose is to provide structure and nourishment for my voice to have authentic, creative expression. Ta-da! Uh, interesting how that's quite relevant to what I'm doing right yeah. now with you yeah. in this very minute. And if I look back at um, some of the harder points over the last 12, 14 years in creating this coaching business, uh, there were some rough moments and a lot of doubt. But actually, at every point in it, I was able to to express that. And so mm. knowing that, okay, I'm allowed to be me and, and do me that can give you the energy sometimes to get through murky periods where you're kind of wondering, 
is this really what I should be doing? Absolutely. Yeah, I, it's, it's like a life jacket. Uh, if you're floating out in the middle of an, of an ocean versus not having one, because inevitably we're going to have those moments where the the waves get really tall and you know it's choppy, but there's a little bit of sense of like, hey, I've got something to to fall back on here, a sense of knowing myself and what's really important. That it doesn't make it all go away, but can give us a little extra buoyancy. I think during those those tough times, because inevitably um, when those things come, we're going to turn somewhere as you were saying, right? And is, is that going to be to the advice of, of other people or sort of just look at um, the cult, whatever culture I'm in, sort of what they see as more, most important? Do you know, yeah, I should continue. I need to go find this job in private equity now or I need to go, <laughs> you know, I need to go get this gig uh, as a senior surgeon here or whatever it is. I'm going ha- to be looking to something to give me a sense of, of buoyancy and what I should do next or how I should get through a, a tough time. And I find that this exercise... Um, and then, you know, not losing sight of this vision, even if it's just a draft one, can be this really calming, reassuring force for people um, as, as things get choppy, just to say, you know what, it's not all gravy right now, but I do have a sense of what I'm looking for. That's funny. It reminds me of a conversation I had a few years ago. I was doing a workshop um, for a group of MBA candidates um, in financial services, and uh, one guy came up to me. Afterwards, we were talking, he said, uh, you know, yesterday we did this thing about passion and I felt completely left out of this because all these people had passions that, that meant nothing to me. Like people would get up and say, my passion is distressed debt. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I can get that. But here's the funny thing. When you don't know what your passion or your vision or purpose is, it's easy to get skeeved out by people who seem so different. But when you know what it is or you've articulated mm. it, 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 it takes away the charge of moments like that. And you don't have to worry yeah. that other people's passions are distressed at because you know what yours are. Well, and that's such, I, one, <laughs> I am dying inside. If I were to just, that would be so funny. <laughs> I love distressed dead. I'd be like, what? Uh, <laughs> but just, some people love it. So it's crazy. Yeah. It's so many worlds <laughs> separated from where God I am. God bless them. God bless them. We need all, t- it takes all types, right? Uh, but it also, just that story brings back for me so much our conversation about envy from a previous podcast, which, and I think this is, this, I've totally experienced this to be true for me and for the people who have gone through this exercise, which is um, if I have gone through the process of knowing, grounding myself in, in even a draft version of my personal vision, it's less traumatic for me to hear other people's passions or, or to see other, <laughs> or, or to see other people be successful. Right. You know, if yeah. I'm like, well, that's their thing and they're, they're going and doing that and they're making X amount of money or they're X famous. Um, it doesn't, you know, it's not a, a recipe to never feeling envy again, but it really does help give me a comfort that I am where I'm supposed to be. And I know myself and therefore I'm not suffering through this, you know, super green envious lens, um, at people with, uh, n- nearly as often, which, which is great. Anything that lessens suffering is great. Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, that's vision. That's vision in a nutshell. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Um, go ahead and give a 
give a try to the, the timeline of me, Peaks and Valleys exercise, uh, teasing out some of your, your values. Have a conversation with a trusted friend who can both ask you some questions about what you've discovered as well as give you some feedback based on how they know you. And then see if you can't take a crack at, you know, RIP C-3PO and uh, do, a, do a crappy draft or two of a vision statement and just see um, how that goes. Maybe go back to that person you, you shared the initial conversation with and, and show them what you've come up with. Um, and then post that thing somewhere, baby. Put it somewhere where you'll re-encounter it and, and digest it and see how that starts to trickle into the choices you're making um, at work, with your team, uh, and beyond. Michael Melcher, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, Michael Terrell. And talk to you next week. All right, talk to you soon.